0: Welcome to the Preaching Ministry Podcast of Mount Pisgah Baptist Church in Easley, South Carolina, where our goal is to exalt the Savior, evangelize the sinner, and encourage the saint through faithful exposition of God's Word. Well, amen. Got your Bibles, find the book of Psalm, Psalms chapter 100, Psalms chapter... 100 tonight, there are a thousand and one things running through my mind. There's a million things that I want to say to you, but I want to get straight to the text tonight because I want the text to be what speaks to us tonight. And in Psalm chapter 100, there's only five short verses. And I want to preach tonight on this subject. And I think we could all agree, for the Lord is good for the Lord is good. The psalmist goes through a gambit of emotions as he writes the psalms. You can read psalms that are very joyful. You'll read psalms of repentance. You'll read psalms that are great and wonderful and cheerful. You can read psalms that the psalmist is delighted But there are also Psalms where the Psalmist that is writing is discouraged or worried, fearful, even lonely at times. We read a Psalm of David that is a Psalm that he is consumed with regret. But when we come to Psalms chapter 100, what we are going to find in this Psalm is a Psalm of praise. If you've got a Bible that has headings over each chapter title, you probably have a title that is written there, A Psalm of Praise, because what this is is a psalm of gratefulness. It is a psalm of thanksgiving, if you will, that is pouring out of the psalmist's heart. And without a doubt, even as a local body of believers, We should be people that can identify with and participate in this Psalm of praise because the truth is we have so much to be thankful for. We have so much to praise Him for. As a local assembly, we have seen God do incredible things in the last six days. I would say we've seen God do incredible things in the last 10 years, but specifically tonight, let's consider the last six days prayer has been an essential part of what God has been doing here, and if there's nothing else that we learn from this meeting, maybe as a assembly of believers here, as a church of God's people that are sold out to him and to his plan for us. Maybe he's just reminded us this week that where there is much prayer, there is much power. And I have seen the power of God fall in a greater way in these last six days than I have in the 10 years that I have been here. And I have to believe it's because there was a group of people that just decided we're going to fall on our knees. We're going to make commitments. We're going to sacrifice and we are going to find our in a place of prayer. Several this week have been saved by God's grace. That's enough to rejoice over. Amen. I see brother Zach, man, he's up here singing, got a countenance on his face, man. He's got a, a grin that won't go away. Amen. There's just something that happens to your countenance when you get saved and you begin to think about how lost you were and now how saved you are. Many have gotten assurance of their salvation. I have talked to many people this week on the phone that are struggling and they need assurance and it's probably as a pastor, one of the most common conversations that we have is if you're here tonight and that's where you are, I push everybody to the book of first John, man, that's the book of assurance. And many this week have gotten assurance of their salvation. Many have had their relationship with Jesus strengthened. Now, when you got saved, you got all of Jesus. The question is, is does he have all of you? And so what is happening this week is Jesus is getting access to some places in your life that you had denied him access to before and you are beginning to walk in that sanctified life. Many have been encouraged. Many have had opportunities to have gospel conversations this week that you haven't had, to have, had, haven't had the chance to have in days gone by. And Sunday morning, we talked about the fire from heaven falling. And Brother Mike said, if the fire from heaven falls, you won't have to ask, did it fall? I'll be honest with you. When I walk in here at eight o'clock in the morning, eight thirty in the morning, nine o'clock in the morning, might've been a little bit later this week. (laughs) I sense a sweet, sweet spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm, I'm watching what is happening in the lives of so many people. And I have to just sit back and say, Lord, you've just allowed the fire to fall in this place. And I thank God for that. And as a response to what God has done, let's cover Psalm chapter 100 tonight and consider for just a minute, the Lord, he is good. Stand together and let's read these five short verses here in Psalm 100. If you're in your place this evening and you've got your Bibles open to Psalm 100, would you just say amen? Amen. If you're excited to be here tonight, would you say amen? Amen. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise, (coughs) and be thankful unto him and bless his name. Why? For the Lord is good. Well, just stop right there and shout a little while, amen? For the Lord is good. Good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. Heavenly Father, as we walk through this text tonight, I pray God you would cause us to have a heart of gratefulness, of gratitude, to be people of thanksgiving, Lord, for what you are doing and what you are going to do in this place. And now, Lord, I pray you would speak to the hearts of your people through your word. Lord, I pray for that touch that turns a mere mortal man into a messenger of the almighty. Lord, speak to us tonight through the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. This psalm is essentially a call to worship. As the worshipers would approach the temple with their sacrifices, they would have heard this psalm of praise ringing in their ears. This is both a prophetic psalm, but it also is a psalm that provides us with some principles for praise. You see, there's coming a day when all the lands are gonna praise the one who is seated on the throne during that millennial reign, but today we have the opportunity to praise him in the here and now. We don't have to wait until the millennium comes. We don't have to wait until Jesus returns. We don't have to wait until the next prophetic event on the calendar of God happens. We can stop right here, right now, in Mount Pisgah Baptist Church at 101 Pisgah Road. We can just stop right here and say, Lord, we just want to praise you because you are worthy of our praise. You are worthy of our worship. And as we walk through this, psalm tonight, there are some principles for praise I want us to understand. Now, number one, we can rejoice in his presence. We can rejoice in his presence when we come together for worship. We often pray, Lord, would you manifest yourself in some tangible way? So Lord, as we as we lift our voice in song, as we make our prayers and supplication unto you, God, we desire that you would allow the tangible felt presence of the Lord to be in this place. The psalmist tells us that he inhabits the praises of his people. So when we come together, especially on a Friday night, it ought to be a time of rejoicing. It ought to be a time of praising the one who is worthy of our praise for all he has Done. The first two verses of this psalm provide us with a recipe for rejoicing. Now, let's take the ingredients of this and put it inside a bowl, and let's begin to rejoice as we consider this recipe for rejoicing. Number one, if we're going to rejoice in the Lord, I believe the Scripture tells us that we should shout to the Lord. Shout to the Lord. The, the first four words of this psalm says, make a what? A joyful what? Noise. Many translators have translated this word, just shout, amen? We're told 18 times in scriptures to shout for joy unto the Lord. What this speaks of is a subject shouting when he comes into the presence of his king. So when the king would enter in, and you were a subject to the king, when he entered in, you had just began to shout because you had your place of victory, and that was your king, not because of anything you had done, but because of everything the king had accomplished. And so because the king had accomplished so much, when you got into his presence in that day, you might just, as a subject to the king, acknowledge who he is, acknowledge what he has done by just simply making a shout to the king. I want you to know my king didn't give me any military victory, but my king has given me victory. Amen. I've experienced victory over sin, self, and Satan. And I'm walking in victory tonight. I'm more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ. I'm not on my way to hell. I'm on my way to heaven as a victor. Amen. And so when I get into the presence of the king, because he's the one that gave me that victory. He's the one that paid the price that I might go free. Every now then, when I get in the presence of the king, it ought to just make me want to shout a little bit. It ought to just make me want to say, Glory, hallelujah, to the king of kings and the lord of lords, because I'm a subject to him and he's the reason for my victory. You say, Pastor, I don't know about this shouting stuff. Joshua chapter 6 and verse 20. I, I didn't give it to the guys, but just listen to this. So the people shouted when the priests blew with the trumpets, and it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people that shouted with a great shout, the walls fell down flat. You know the story. The children of God had crossed over the Red Sea. They are entering into Canaan land after crossing over the Jordan River as well. And they have entered into this first battle that they're going to fight. They're to take over this place called Jericho. And God said, you march around it. You march around it. And on the seventh day, you march around it seven more times. And after you've marched around it seven times, just give a shout. Amen. And they marched around seven times and they shouted and who gave them the victory? The king of kings did, amen? It was the king that gave them the victory and they shouted, Ezra, you remember this? Ezra chapter three says all the people shouted with a great shout and they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Seventy years in exile, they're in Babylon. Seventy years they have been oppressed and Depressed. And King Cyrus signs a decree, they go back, they get the foundation settled and they get some, so, some work going in the right direction Now they just stop for a little while. The foundation, listen, the thing ain't finished. They just got the foundation laid. You know what they did for just a little while? They just shouted for a little while, amen? They saw there was progress happening. They saw God was doing something. Now we know they messed up and they didn't do anything else for about 16 years. But thank God they shouted for a little while, amen? And then in Revelation chapter five, I love this text. John says, "Beheld! I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was about 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. And they were saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. That sounds like some pretty lively worship over in heaven to me. They said with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb. I'll be honest with you. You've been around long enough with me. I'm not interested in dead religion. Amen? I'm not interested in just a watered-down version of religion. I want to be a subject to the King so that when I come into the presence of the King, there's something stirring inside of my soul that I can say, Worthy, worthy is the Lamb of God, slain before the foundation of the world, but set my soul free. Spurgeon said this, Our happy God should be worshiped by some happy people. Our happy God should be worshiped by some happy people. Now, I'm very aware that when we talk about shouting, especially in the Baptist church, we can get a little nervous. There are times that I'll go other places and preach, and I preach just like I preach here, and they come and say, you ain't Baptist. And I say, what's that supposed to mean? Because a Baptist ain't supposed to be happy, right? We're supposed to be in committee meetings mad about something. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We ought to be the happiest people on earth. It's football Friday night. Tomorrow's gonna be college football Saturday. Sunday is gonna be NFL Sunday. And you know what those people are gonna do? They're going to paint half their face one color and half of it another color, and they're going to stand up, and they're going to shout, and they're going to shout, and they're going to shout, and nobody in that entire stadium is going to think they're crazy. Because you'll shout about those things that are real to you. Some of you give me the golf clap right now. I'm going to get you, I'm going to get you in a full-blown one in a minute. So if at the football field, we're jumping up and down and screaming and shouting and nobody thinks we're crazy, why should we curb our enthusiasm when we come to the house of God? Amen? Because I'm here to tell you, when I begin to think about how lost I was, dead in my, did you hear me? D-E-A-D, dead in my trespasses and sin, but it got worse. I was a child of the devil, but it got worse. I was under the wrath of God, amen? But God, who's rich in mercy, came by my way one day, quickened my dead spirit, set my soul on fire, amen? And I'm here to tell you tonight, I want to be somebody that stands up and shouts it from the rooftops, Jesus Christ saves, he's worthy of our praise, he's worthy of our worship. We ought to just shout in the house of God about the goodness of God, amen? If the world's gone crazy, so should we, amen? For the glory of God. Shout to the Lord. Serve the Lord. You see, serving the Lord, look what it says. Serve the Lord with gladness. You see, serving is another form of rejoicing, rejoicing. And we talk much here about loving, growing, and serving. It's a test of obedience. And how are we to serve? With gladness. Someone said it this way. It's not how high you jump, it's how straight you walk when your feet hit the ground. Oh, I wanna jump up and down. (laughs) I will jump up and down. I'm a little tired right now. I'm a little winded. But when our feet hits the ground, we ought to be walking straight. Because we can't shout a while about our salvation and then walk in sinfulness. Because if the fire falls, there's transformation. Sincere rejoicing will always result in sacrificial service. Sincere rejoicing will always result in sacrificial service. Give me just a minute here, but without a doubt, in the last six days, we have seen a plethora of people that have been sacrificial in their service to this local fellowship. There's some folks that have been back there on that nursery hallway almost every night. There's folks that have been back there one night, two nights, and I wanna say to all of you, and some of you may be watching online right now when you served one night During this week, I want to say to you thank you. You go ahead. I mean, we're talking about we've had some we've had some prolonged services and I'm thankful for them, but there's been people back there watching babies all service long. There's been food prepared for our guests that have been here this week. Our worship band has been here at 5.30 every day. Our worship singers, our choir, those that are out in the parking lot driving those golf carts, bringing you up here to the house of God, those greeters that are out there, the sound guys and the guys in the back that are switching all of these things and the camera guys that are serving Sacrificially. Because saved people. Rejoice. And one of the ways we can rejoice is through shouting and through serving. So let me say thank you to every person that sacrificed this week and not only served somewhere, but we're seated inside of this worship center. You made a large commitment every night this week to be in the house of God. And that is a wonderful testimony. We rejoice in his presence. We shout to the Lord. We serve the Lord. But then we sing unto the Lord. Some of us. <laughs> I asked that quartet a while ago. Two of them were sitting down here. I said, uh, y'all want me to sing with you tonight? <laughs> he said, uh, no, we do not. <laughs> but the scripture says, come before his presence with singing. That word presence could be translated face. Think about this with me now. Come before the face of God with singing. John Phillips says, the essence of all true worship is to come into the presence of the Lord and to appear before his face in adoration. You see, in the Old Testament, one could only do this from a distance. Yeah, there was access to God, but it was limited. In the temple, there were a number of barriers between the sinner and a holy God. There was a gate to the tabernacle leading to the outer court and the worshiper was confronted with an altar and a laver that would, that, that spoke of the continual cleansing that needed to happen. And unless you were a priest, that was as far as you went. You had to remain in the outer court. But if you were a priest, you could pass the door and enter into the holy place and you could enjoy the benefits of the table and the lampstand and the golden altar. But, but you could go no further unless you were the high priest. And the high priest alone could, after an elaborate ritual, prepare once a year to to lift the veil and pass that last barrier and come before the face of God. But Calvary changed every bit of that. Amen. Jesus Christ walked a perfect walk while he was on this earth. He made his way up the hill called Golgotha, stretched those arms out on the cross of Calvary, endured the nails in his hands and in his feet, and he cried out from the cross at least seven times we know of. And one of the times he cried out, he said, Tetelesteia, it is finished. And we know from the word of God that when he cried out, it is finished, Brother Jordan, that temple veil that kept us out of the Holy of Holies was rent from the top to the bottom. And now you and I have access to the God of this universe, we can come before his presence now. Unlike any Old Testament saint would have known anything about, we can go boldly before the throne of God and go before the face of God with rejoicing and thanksgiving and shouting and singing. Rejoice in his presence. Secondly, as we think about this prescription for praise, we should recognize his preeminence. Notice what the word says. Verse three. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. So what is... What is it that the psalmist wants us to recognize about the preeminence of our God? Number one, his person. The Lord, he is God. Jehovah is Elohim, is what the psalmist is saying here. He's a self-existent, self-sufficient, all-knowing God who has no beginning and will have no end. And if we translate it in the New Testament, it'd say this, Know ye. That Jesus, he is God. And all other lessons stem from that truth. Brad Waters, Pastor Brad, on Tuesday night, took us there to Deuteronomy 6, where it says we should be teaching our children and our children's children that the Lord, he is God. And there is one God, amen? And Jesus, the God-man, came. There to Bethlehem, an out-of-the-way place, And after walking 33 and a half years on this earth, we know he is crucified, buried, rose again. And you say, well, pastor, we know that the Lord, he is God, and he wants us to know his person. So who is he? Who is he? Who is this Lord God? Who is this Jehovah that is Elohim? I'd say he's the rock of ages. He's the water for a thirsty soul. He's the bread to satisfy my hunger. He's a firm foundation. He's a healer, a deliverer. He's a strong tower and he's my best friend, amen. He's the Ancient of Days, the Way, the Truth, the Life. He's Alpha Omega, the First and the Last. He's the Great I Am. He's the Light of the World. He's the Resurrection and the Life. He's my Redeemer, my Comforter. He's my Fortress, amen. He's the Rose of Sharon, the Lily of the Valley, the Bright and Morning Star. Hey, Jesus, this man that we are speaking of tonight is the ram caught in the thicket. He's the miracle worker. He's the manna in the wilderness. He's the fourth man in the fire. He's the all-time undisputed, undefeated champion of love. And he is worthy of every bit of praise we have inside of our mortal bodies. Know that he is God. We recognize his person, but we recognize his power. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. That speaks to the creative power of God Almighty. But the Jewish people would sing this song knowing that it was God that had made them a nation through Abraham. And that nation has been attacked, they've been exiled, they've been enslaved, but every single time they have been delivered. And Israel's now back in their land and there's still a remnant to return and the great tribulation will Come and it'll purge that dross. And they'll say one day, it is he that made us. He is why we are here. And they will see his power absolutely manifested there in Megiddo. We too can lift our voices and recognize that he is the one that has not only made us, but he is the one that has made all of this possible. Jesus, only Jesus. I'm thankful we sang that song tonight because that should be the heart cry of every single one of us. Jesus, only Jesus. You see, no man can do this. Last Monday, we began what we called a sweet hour of prayer. Eight o'clock. Monday a week ago, 145 of you gave of your time. Some of you early in the twilight of the morning. Some of you in the middle of the night. Some of you in the middle of the day. But you sacrificed. You came before the Lord's face and we have experienced His power. It's he and only he that can do what has happened in this place. We recognize his preeminence, his person, his power. And thirdly, notice his provision. Notice what the word says in the last part of verse three. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Now, Obviously, this would cause us to, to run quickly back to Psalm 23 that speaks of our great shepherd. And sheep, you and I are compared to sheep throughout the Scriptures. They are not strong, they are not swift, they are not smart, and they will easily scatter. That's why we need a shepherd. And his purpose is to, is to provide for the sheep. And our great shepherd has provided for his sheep through the finished work at Calvary. He has provided redemption for you and for me. And as we learned in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. I shall not want for rest because he makes me to lie down in green pasture. I may not want for refreshment because he leads me beside the still waters. I shall not want for restoration because he restores my soul. I shall not want for a right path because he leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. I shall not want for reservations because he's prepared a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. And I shall not want for reassurance because goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We've got a good shepherd, amen, that is worthy of our praise. We rejoice in his presence, we recognize his preeminence, and finally, we rest in his perfection. After the psalmist spoke of the goodness of God, he says, then we should enter his gates with thanksgiving. I would say tonight to investigate your heart and ask yourself, are you walking with an attitude of gratitude for what God has done for you? Oh, there's much reason to praise him tonight. For the Lord is good. Good. Is there anybody here tonight that can testify that the Lord, He is good? His mercy endureth forever. And He loves you with a love that is uncomparable. There was a pastor African American pastor named Dr. E.V. Hill some of you probably heard of Dr. E.V. Hill he pastored Mount Zion Missionary Baptist Church in Los Angeles California he became the pastor there in 1961 you can imagine all of the civil rights chaos that was happening in that time Dr. E.V. Hill was a man of principle man of conviction. And he thought the best way to begin to resolve the racial inequalities that were existing in our nation was to sit down and to have a conversation with somebody that didn't look like him. So Dr. E.V. Hill began to meet with some Caucasian pastors. And there was a group of people that hated E.V. Hill because of this. He began to receive death threats because of his conversations with other pastors that didn't look like him. He and his wife were lying in bed one night, and it had been rumored all around the city that Dr. E.V. Hill would be murdered because of his activity. Several, several African American pastors had already been killed. And they said Evie Hill would be next. And he's lying in the bed one night with his wife, and the phone rings. And his wife hears him on the phone. And he hangs the phone up, and she says, Who was that? And he says, Baby, don't worry about it. Everything's okay as only a wife could do, Brother Jordan. She said, no, tell me who that was. Tell me what's going on. Dr. Evie Hill didn't want his wife alarmed. The call had come that he was next and that they would take his life the next day. Somehow they went to sleep that night. Dr. Evie Hill woke up early the next morning his wife was gone. She wasn't in the bed. He got up, began to look through the house for her, couldn't find her. He made his way down the hallway into their living room that had a big window in front of it. And as he walked up into the living room, he looked out that window and he saw his wife pulling into their driveway in his car. She got out, came inside, and Dr. Hill said, Good morning, baby. What what are you doing? She said, Honey, I thought for sure that sometime in the night they would put a bomb in your car. So I got up early this morning and I went and drove your car around the block a few times. It's okay. You can drive your car. Dr. Evie Hill said this. I never had to ask my wife again if she loved me. She had demonstrated her love for me because she was willing to die for me. Can I tell you about a Jewish carpenter named Jesus from Nazareth? You were living under a death sentence. And you're next. But Jesus Christ came and died so that you wouldn't have to. And he demonstrated his love and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If you're here tonight and you've never experienced the depth of his love through salvation, I pray tonight would be the glad night you come to know Him as Savior and Lord of your life. You may be been fighting it all week, but tonight God's put His finger on it and said, these preachers have been talking to you all week. Tonight's the night. I got saved on a Friday night at a revival. I was a Sunday school teacher serving in my church And God arrested my soul. I'm looking at Wesley Wimpy right now. He got saved that same night. Could be tonight is your night. And I want you to know Jesus loves you so much that he paid the penalty of death for you on the cross. So if you're unsaved tonight, in just a moment when we stand to our feet, here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. Just walk to the front grab me by the hand and say, Pastor, I need to be saved. Pastor Hayden will be here. Pastor Phil will be here. You grab any one of us. Grab us by the hand and say, I need to be saved. We'd love to take the word of God, show you how you can leave tonight knowing heaven's your home. Secondly, if you've experienced that great love, Psalm 100 ought to be the song of your heart. And so let's just praise him. Let's thank him. Maybe it's been a long time since you found a spot in an altar and just said, Lord, I didn't come to ask you for anything. I didn't come to lay a burden at your feet tonight. I just came to say thank you for your great love. I just came to say thank you for dying for me on the cross of Calvary, writing my name down in the Lamb's book of life. Lord, I just came tonight to tell you thank you. It may be you want to find a spot in an altar and just say, Lord, thank you for what you've done in my heart this week. Thank you for how you've spoken to me this week, for challenging me this week, for dealing with my sin this week and allowing me, Heavenly Father, to walk in victory. Maybe you just want to fall on the altar and say, Lord, I just came to tell you thank you. And finally, during this invitation, if there's somebody in here maybe that's made a difference in your life, why not you go find them? Hug their neck. Tell them they've made a difference in your life. And you're looking forward to serving Jesus with them in the days ahead. Whatsoever he says unto you, do it. As we stand to our feet, Heavenly Father, thank you for your presence in this place. Lord, I pray that we would find ourselves in a position of praise tonight with an attitude of gratitude Lord, that we'd just find a spot and say thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the salvation that you gave. Lord, thank you for redemption power. Lord, I pray we'd come into your presence with thanksgiving. Lord, do what only you can do in this place in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the Preaching Ministry Podcast of Mount Pisgah Baptist Church. If you'd like additional information, please visit mtpisgah.cc.